Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, and I'm going to read um, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. I'm going to talk to you about a very simple subject tonight that the Lord placed on my heart called uh, taking care of one another. We're going to talk about taking care of one another, okay? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we thank you that we can gather together tonight, both here in-house and also on the media. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just touch me to be able to effectively communicate uh, and I pray that you would touch our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. May our understanding be enlightened so we can receive what the Spirit would communicate to us tonight. For that, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Solomon wrote, King Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, verse, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he said, Two are better than one. And then he goes on and explains What that means, if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity or we feel sorry for the man or the woman who falls and has no one to lift them up. So we could say we we all fall or get knocked down at times, don't we? Sometimes we have difficult times in life. Sometimes there are things that happen. How wonderful is it when we go through those difficult times to have somebody reach down And help us up. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? You know, that's how the church should be. That's how we should be. We should help each other. We should encourage each other. We should try to pick each other up and and lift each other up. In fact, uh, even in a failure, the Bible says, If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And then it goes on and says this, Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So what it's saying is, Help those that fall down. Help those that are hurting. Help those that are, are having a difficult time because next time could be you. All right, so it goes back to the golden rule, doesn't it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now I want you to turn with me over to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, that's in your New Testament. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 19. And uh, I want to read a a few scriptures over there. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 19. And we'll be spending the majority of our time here tonight. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Philippi and he said this. He said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ." But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Speaking of Timothy. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Then we go to verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your, mess- but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard 
that he had been sick. So in other words, he, he heard that the people at Philippi, he was a messenger from them to the Apostle Paul, and, and he had heard that they found out that he was sick, and that created problems for him. He was upset that they found out that he was sick. Okay, He said, For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service towards me. So, we see in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30, the Apostle Paul talking about sending people to help a church when he himself was in need. Think about this. The Apostle Paul was in prison. Timothy, Timothy was his son in the faith, and so he decided he was going to send Timothy to them. And then Epaphroditus shows up, and he's thinking, well, okay, I've got him here. And then he gets sick, but then when he gets well, he sends him also. Now, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was a missionary. He could have written a support letter. Would you please send some money to help me? But he was more concerned with how they were feeling and how things were going there than he was with how things were going with him. Are you beginning to get this picture here? Are you beginning to see this? So the first lesson that we can learn uh, in verse number 19 where Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. The first lesson we can learn from the Apostle Paul here is that we need to cultivate a genuine interest in other people. We need to make up our minds, you know what? I'm not on this earth alone, and I'm not here by myself, and there's a reason that God has me here, and I just want to be a blessing. I like Mark Lowry. How many of you like Mark Lowry? He'll say something just hilarious, and then he'll say, I'm just trying to be a blessing. That's what we need. That's the attitude that we need to have. We need to, we, you know, the church in America is so stingy. They're always thinking about themselves and they're always thinking about what I want. And I mean, even think about it. Well, I quit going to that church because I quit getting fed. Well, and we get a lot of people that come here that say that about other churches. And, you know, and I don't really get really excited, to be frankly honest with you, when people show up with that story. And the reason is because it makes me wonder about them. Just to be honest with you, it makes me wonder about them. Why do you come to church? To get fed? Or do you come to church to worship? To worship the Lord. Sure, in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our praise, in the midst of our adoration, then the Holy Spirit can feed into our spirit. But let me tell you something. Now, I don't mean this in a bad way, and I'm not trying to tell you don't go to church, but I can get fed by God whether I'm in a church service or not. Because my feeding is not predicated on where I go to church. It's based on my personal relationship with the Lord. So we come to church. I come to church and I would encourage you, especially if you're a leader, I would encourage you to rework your mentality and come to church to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to worship Him and also to learn how to better serve. How to better serve. So we learned that we need to, to, genuine, uh, to, to cultivate a genuine interest 
in other people. Here's a story that I want to read to you. It's just a short story, but it's true. Lou Gehrig was the first baseman for the New York Yankees. He died on June the 2nd, 1941 of ALS, later called Lou Gehrig's disease. The doctors really didn't know how to treat it. So he was in the hospital for a long time as they experimented with different kinds of drugs, trying to find one that would work. Just before he died, Lou Gehrig called his friend, Bob Considine, and he said, Bob, I have great news. The boys in the lab have come up with a new serum, and they're trying it on ten of us. It seems to be working on nine out of ten. Bob Considine asked, is it working on you, Lou? And Lou answered and said, well, no, but nine out of ten, how do you like those odds? And he was really excited because it was working on nine out of ten of them, even though he was the one that it was not working on. This kind of attitude is probably why he was so fondly remembered. Because he was such a good friend. The Bible said that if we're going to have friends, we have to show ourselves friendly. That means we have to put ourselves out there. That means we have to take a chance on others. We have to take a chance on other people. The Apostle Paul was the same way in Philippians chapter 2. found this scripture when I was studying this day. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 4 when he wrote this. He said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only on your own interest, but also on the interest of others. In other words, he was teaching the church at Philippi to be genuinely concerned about other people. So my question to us tonight in this first point of this teaching is, are we really concerned about other people? We've got a storm coming tomorrow. We have a big storm coming tomorrow. Now, this church has done everything that it can do to prepare. We have a CERT team that is trained and in place. CERT, Community Emergency Response Team. We have a team out of this church. We call them the CERT. We have chaplains that are trained right out of this church. We have all kinds of things ready and prepared if something was to happen and we were to be called up because the CERT team is just one chapter of many other, I guess that's what you would call it, one chapter of many other chapters in our community. And as soon as we get the call, then those that are on the CERT team will mobilize and they will go help others. What makes a person want to take all of this time to get themselves trained in first aid and in CPR and all of these kinds of things? What makes them want to learn how to do these kinds of things? It's because they have a heart for other people. They're genuinely concerned for other people. You're never more godlike than when you're caring for others, when you're giving of yourself. The second thing in that and that, um, that leads me into my second point. Caring for others will help you heal. Caring for others will help you grow. It'll encourage you. It'll lift you up. Jeff, you can, you can uh, relate to that. Jeff was a truck driver for many, many, many years. Then he had himself a heart attack. Can't drive a truck anymore. But that's okay because there was an opening that came for him to go set with people who were ill. And he went and started encouraging them. And I was up there talking. You didn't know this. I was up there talking to the chaplain a couple of days ago. And your name came up because he knows you come to our church. And he said, that guy is a piece of work. I said, yes, he is. I said, we love him. He said, we love him around here too. 
We love him around here too. Caring for others will help you also. First of all, it helps you cope with your own problems. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 through 12 in the New International Version says this, And if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Verse number 11, you say, well, 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 how do I know how to do that? Verse number 11 answers that the Lord will guide you. He'll guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a scorched land and will strengthen your frame. When you get to the point where you say, Lord, I'm just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and there's nothing left in me, then the Lord will strengthen your frame. And then it said, you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And then verse number 12, the promise is that it comes upon those that you care about. Your people, he said, will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations and you will, will get the reputation or be called the repairer of the breach or the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets with dwellings. Isn't that a wonderful promise? When we care about other people, it helps us cope with our own problems. But what the Bible is telling us is that it strengthens us. It encourages us. It helps us because we're caring about other people. It's important to care about other people. When we care for other people, not only does it help us cope with our own problems, but when we become genuinely concerned about other people, we'll find that when we're in trouble, then... They'll come to our rescue, and if they don't, the Lord will see that we have sown that, and as a result of it, God will make sure that we're taken care of. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, in the King James Version, reads like this, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now that word taught, or that word communicate, and means to give. So let him that is taught in the word uh, give unto him that teacheth in all good things. Let him that is taught in the Word. So that would be those that are teaching need to take care of those that are teaching them. And then you go on and it goes in verse number 7. And this is really more of a prosperity scripture, but it applies to our entire life. But attached to that scripture, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So you say to me, I just don't have any joy left in my life. Sow some joy. Make somebody happy somewhere. Well, I'm just going through my life and I'm just sick and tired of being all down and discouraged and depressed all of the time. Then go make somebody's day. Go make their day. I mean, you might have to stand on your head in a corner to, 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 to eke out a smile, you know, turn your frown upside down. You might have to do that, but you need to go and give somebody a smile. I used to tell people all of the time and every now and then I'll tell them, but I used to tell people all the time, they would come to me, especially, particularly at my first church in Cape Girardeau, Missouri in the early 90s. Um, they, I had one lady in particular. She would come to me and she was always down and depressed and discouraged. And finally one day, she came by the office and it was another one of those. And I was learning how to counsel. I started my pastor my first church when I was 26. So I was learning how to counsel. And so finally one day, it's like the Lord gave me this idea. I just looked at her and I said, Sharon, I said, here's what I want you to do when you leave. I said, I want you to go down to the rest home and I want you to walk down the hallway and I said, every door that you see that's open, I want you to walk in there 
and make that person's day. She came bouncing back in there a couple of hours later and she said, oh my goodness, Pastor, she said that was the best thing you could have told me. She said those people were so happy that somebody actually stopped and saw them and actually talked to them and actually cared about them. And she said, you know what? She said, I'd pray for them and they'd, they'd turn around and pray for me. And I'd try to make them laugh then they'd turn around and make me laugh. It's reaping. It's sowing and reaping. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. You know, a lot of preachers take that and they apply it to money. And that's what it is in that particular passage of Scripture. But it, it applies to every other area of your life too. If you need help, then help somebody else. Sow the seed of serving. And when you sow the seed of serving, then you reap a harvest of those helping you. That's just the way it works. Then we go on and says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then verse number 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So that means that in the beginning it might seem like you're doing the right thing over and over and over and over and nothing is going on. In other words, there's no reaping coming. But the Bible says you only reap if you faint not. So keep doing the right thing over and over and over. Consistent effort doesn't always bring immediate results, but it always brings success. And verse number 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So when I have an opportunity to bless somebody, I need to take advantage of that. I need to take advantage of it. You know what? It's like, it's like making a deposit in my heavenly bank account. And God always, always, always adds interest to what we deposit in that account. The third thing I want to share with you about taking care of other people tonight is that not only should we uh, care about other people and not only should we be genuinely interested in other people, but we should also listen very closely help look after the interest of other people. That means we, sometimes we get so busy protecting our own reputation that we forget to try to protect our brothers and sisters' reputation. When someone says, you know, I'm going to go on vacation and I need somebody to watch my house, maybe run over and take care of the birds or something like that, you know what? You need to say, okay, you know, I would just love to do that for you. You say, well, I'm just really busy. See it as a way to bless them. Because you know what? If they know that you're going to be over there feeding and watering their birds and taking care of them while they're on vacation, then they're going to have the most wonderful vacation, aren't they? And while they're gone, you're going to cross their mind and they're going to think, I need to do something for them. And there's a blessing. You're being blessed and receiving a blessing. So we need to look after the interest of other people. In our text, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through, through 30, in verse number 20, the Apostle Paul says this. He was talking about Timothy, and he says, I need to send him to Philippi. And he was telling, telling the church of Philippi that. He said, I don't have anyone else like him who takes interest in other people's welfare. 
The New American Standard Version translates the verse this way, and I thought it was very interesting. It says, I have no one else of a kindred spirit. And Chuck Swindoll points out that the two Greek words used there are words that mean the same soul. So what Paul was saying was, Timothy and I have the same soul. We're in unity. We're kindred. We have kindred spirits, and we are like-minded. And so he goes on and he says, I don't have anyone else like him. He takes a genuine interest in other people's welfare. He said, everyone looks out for his own interests uh, and not those of Jesus Christ. And I think what the Apostle Paul was saying here was he was presenting a contrast. He was saying, almost everybody looks out for their own interest, but Timothy isn't like them. He's special. He's interested in you. And so when Timothy went to Philippi, their hearts were open because their spiritual daddy, the Apostle Paul, who was sitting in prison for preaching Jesus, told them when he comes, he's coming because he cares about you. Because he's interested in you. I learned a secret to successful ministry years ago. Dear God, I have to say decades, and that's true. Here's what I learned. And it's a cliche, but I, you know, you hear cliches and then you learn them. I learned that I can get up and preach until I'm blue in the face. And people will forget it next week, but they'll never forget how I made them feel. And I realized that the best way to have effective ministry was to have a relationship with them in such a way where you genuinely care about them. And there's a genuine interest in their lives. So I think the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage us there that what we need to do is just because, just, and we need to pay attention to the fact that just because everybody's going down one particular road, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the road we have to go down. We need to start looking around and we need to start asking questions like, is this going to hurt somebody? Is this going to hurt my brother? Is this going to hurt my sister? Is this, is this going to be good for them? Is, you know, I need to look after their interest. I need to make sure that they're going to be okay. I need to make sure that their reputation remains intact. I, I need to make sure that you know, there might be somebody coming along and trying to get them off into some kind of a crazy investment deal. And I, you, know, you might be a finance person and you might be able to look at them and say, you know something? You might get them off to the side and say, you know something? I know what they're trying to do to you, and they're trying to line their pockets in the process, but you're going to end up with an empty billfold if you keep going down that road. Listen, I care about you. I don't want that to happen to you. You've got to do things like that, you know? I mean, same thing happens with medication. Sometimes these, these doctors, they just get medicine happy. And Come on. We're preaching where we live here in Florida, aren't we? They get medicine happy. They, get, they prescribe you one medication and then they prescribe you another medication to take care of the symptoms of that medication. And then before you know it, you've got a fistful of medication and really all of it goes back to the first one and it's all linked to the symptoms of all these other medications. We need to start talking about things like that. I'm not saying don't quit, don't, don't quit taking your medicine, but you understand what I'm saying. If you, if you have some information about a particular type of med or something like that and, and the doctor has uh, prescribed it to a friend of yours, maybe you need to have a conversation with him and say, now let me tell you, you know, do what your doctor said, but this is what happened to me when I took it. You know, and just have frank conversations about things like you're looking after the interests of other people. Okay, now let's get down a little bit closer to where we live. 
what about when you go over to a friend's house and uh, you ask them if you can get a bottled water or something like that, and you go open the refrigerator, and there's bottled water in there, but that's just about it. How many has ever done that? How many has ever been there? How many has ever been to the place where Mother Hubbard's cupboard was bare? How many has ever, you know, you've been there, okay? So what you do is you say, okay, Lord, you never embarrass them. But what you do is you say, okay, Lord, what would you have me do? Sometimes there's a reason why it's that way. Had a situation as recently as this week about someone talking about how that they can't keep food in the house because there's someone else in the house that'll take it and sell it and use the money for drugs. So that's a different situation. So I has to go buy the food when it's getting ready to prepare it. So that's different. You've got to kind of know them enough to kind of know their situation. But that's why it's important to be discerning. That's why it's important to pray. Listen, if I see my brother in need and I shut up my bowels of compassion... How can I say that the love of God dwells in me? That's what the Word of God says. So we got to look after the interest of others. And then the last thing I want to talk to you about tonight is that we should prefer our neighbor before ourselves. This is how we take care of one another. We cultivate a genuine interest. We care for others. We look after their interests. And then we prefer them before ourselves. A true friendship is not a true friendship if it holds you back. Paul was in prison and he could have said, you know what? I know the church at Philippi needs Timothy, but I need him too. So I'm going to keep him here. Maybe they're watching tonight. I don't know. Some of you know Michael and Melissa Rodriguez. I love them kids. They're not kids, but I love them. But we had to let them go so they could go on and do their ministry over in Santa Fe, New Mexico, of all places. I would have kept them here forever. I would have. Quality people, love the Lord, not backstabbers, look after the interest of those that are around them, pray, teach, lead, I love them. Wonderful people. But I loved them too much to hold them. We had to release them into their own ministry. That's what Paul was doing with Timothy. He's like, I love him. He's like my son. But i got to release him out there. And he did the same thing with Epaphroditus. He couldn't stay. Paul released Epaphroditus back to help at Ephesus. Now, We've talked about friends. We've talked about taking care of one another. Now, I want to say this in closing. Your best friend is Jesus. Listen. Listen to me. Your best friend is Jesus. It's not Netflix. It's Jesus. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And when you fall, He'll pick you up. He'll dust you off. He'll polish you back up. And He'll put you back in the game. And He'll be with you through the finish line. Even good friends have to leave the game occasionally. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, we find uh, this particular passage. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. 
I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. When all men forsook me, when all men left me, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion." The Apostle Paul was writing, talking about when he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, when he had all of these friends, he had everything, and then the Lord saved him on the road to Damascus, changed his life. His name was Saul before, and God changed his name to Paul. And then all of a sudden, all of those people that he went to school with, all of those people he grew up with, all of those people that he had done old, old Mosaic Law ministry tours with, all of those people forsook him. They said, you're jumping on that Jesus bandwagon? You've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Are you seriously going to do that? Oh, but I had an experience on the road to Damascus and there was a light that came out of heaven and struck me down to the ground and said, how long will you kick about against the pricks? And my response out of my spirit was, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? One experience with God will hold you when nothing else can. Jesus will never leave you. Hebrews 13 and verse number 5, the Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. It's a wonderful God, isn't he? It's a great Big, wonderful God. So how do we take care of one another? Number one, we need to cultivate a genuine interest in other people. We do that by becoming friendly. He that's going to have friends must show themselves friendly. Number two, we care for other people. And when we care for other people, we experience the healing and the health and the wholeness that comes back to us. Number three, we look after the interest or the reputation of other people, and we try to mitigate damage to them. And then the last thing is we should always prefer our neighbor, our brother, our friend before ourselves. And I suppose if I was to keep going, the last thing I probably would say, and I didn't put it on this outline, but I would say we have to learn to love people like Jesus does unselfishly, always giving, reaching to them to show the love of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, Three four six six nine, or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.